Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Trinity Church PCA in Collierville, Tennessee, right outside of Memphis. For more information about our church, you can visit our website, missioncollierville.org. So there's three things that we're going to look at this morning. I'm going to make it easy for you. They all begin with the letter P. Prayer, power, presence. Prayer, power, and presence. So in verse 45 and 46, Jesus ushers his disciples into the boat and sends them to the other side. And then he dismisses the crowd and he takes leave of them and he goes to the mountain to pray. And it seems like if you're reading the passage, Jesus is in a hurry. That's what it feels like. Why? Why is Jesus in a rush? Why is Jesus in a hurry to send his disciples away? Well, the short answer is most scholars believe that the crowd was immense that Jesus fed with the fish and with the loaves. 5,000 people. Now, in the ancient Middle East, 5,000 people was larger than most of the villages and towns in that area. So think of the impact of 5,000 people hearing Jesus, listening to Jesus, and seeing this miracle performed. And so what Jesus is doing and rushing His disciples away is Jesus is afraid of what this might turn into a problem. You see, Jesus understands that according to the will of the Father, that it is not time for Him to go towards Jerusalem. It's not time for Jesus to go towards the cross. And as these people gather in His presence, this large number of people, Jesus doesn't want them to mistakenly think that He is the Messiah who has come to raise up a political rebellion, which has happened in the past. We talked about that a few weeks ago. He does not want them to think that He has come to overthrow Rome and to reestablish the Davidic monarchy, the Davidic king. It's not why He's here. His kingdom is of another world. He has come to do something entirely different. He has come to do something else. And so Jesus is very aware of the fact of what might happen as a result of performing this miracle and His teachings and His other miracles. And so He ushers the disciples away. Get out of here. And what does Jesus do? He goes to the mountain to pray. It's a very stressful time. It's a very difficult time. It's a very challenging time in the ministry of Jesus. He's thinking about what's coming down the road, that He is going to Jerusalem, that He is going to the cross, that He is going to have to drink that cup of wrath for our sins. And so He makes some alone time with the Father to pray. What an example to us as God's people that when the going gets tough, the tough don't get going. We go and we pray. We seek the Father. We go to the top of the mountain. So when we come before the Lord in times of difficulty, when we come before the Lord in times that are pleasant, what are we accomplishing as God's people when we bend our knee to Him 
in prayer. Well, the first thing that you need to understand is that when we come to the mountaintop, when we come to the Lord in prayer, and this is very important, He is always there. God is ready to listen. That when you come before the Lord, when you come into His presence, when you lay before Him your prayer requests, when you talk to the Father, you can know that He is there. Here's Psalm 123, verses 1 through 2. The psalmist writes, To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of the maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till He has mercy upon us. Our God is enthroned in the heavens. We know where He is, and we know that He's listening, and that He wants to hear from us. This past year, year and a half, I had two friends who've passed away. And one of the things that regularly happened was when I went to General Assembly, which I did two weeks ago, I would run into them, and I would see them, and we would talk. And we would laugh. And we would spend time together. And at this general assembly, I was reminded that during the first worship service, their names were mentioned as ministers in our denomination who have gone to be with the Lord. And as I was thinking about our text this morning, and I was thinking about not seeing them at general assembly, it reminded me that There are people in our lives that we look to, that we count on, that are our friends, that there will come a day when we cannot talk to them. They're gone. They can't give us advice. We can't lay before them our problems and our issues. We can't share with them our struggles. But what Scripture is saying to us, that one of the blessings of the covenant is God's people in Christ. He listens. And he's there. And that's comforting to know that our God is sitting on His throne, established firmly in the heavens, and He anticipates and longs for us to come before Him and to pray. Secondly, in prayer, we glorify our Heavenly Father. So not only is He there waiting on us, listening, But when we come before Him and we pray, we are glorifying our Heavenly Father. We are submitting ourselves to His sovereign rule. When we pray, we are bending our knee and we are saying that You are much. You are everything. You are all that I need. I can't handle this life. I can't manage my family. I'm having struggles at work. I'm a fallen creature but I'm a fallen creature who belongs to Jesus. And so because of that, I can speak to you. And I know that you are in control. Sovereign and holy. When we also come before our Heavenly Father, we are seeking authority over our lives. We are asking Him to control us, to lead us, to assist us, to walk with us. We're admitting, as I said just a second ago, that 
He is everything and we are not. And thirdly, we are admitting that we need His help. That we come to the Father in prayer, admitting that we need His help. This is a difficult world in which we live. The winds that blow against us are oppressive. The storms that circle us are frightening. The sea is scary. This is our life. This is the world in which we live. And we have a Father who is firmly established in the heavens, who longs to hear from us, who knows that when we submit ourselves to Him, we are in the best place that we can possibly be. And that in admitting that we need His help, we are worshiping Him. And so prayer is a wonderful thing for God's people to pursue. Thirdly, prayer is a way in which God uses us to answer the prayers of His people. We are instruments in the hands of God. Now this is mysterious. This is difficult to grasp. But God, who is sovereign and knows all things, also tells us in His Word that prayer is the means by which He changes things. So yes, all things are firmly established according to the will of God and He is all-knowing and He has planned everything that is to transpire through the course of history. That's what it means that He is sovereign and all-knowing. But at the same time, He says our prayers matter. And that's a mystery and we may not fully understand that in this, definitely not in this life, but we may not even understand it in the life to come. But this is who our God is and this is how He works. And so He says our prayers are important, that our prayers, when they are according to His will, can accomplish great things. He encourages us to pray. He encourages us when we pray to have great faith. Prayer does matter. Prayer brings Him glory. And know that He is there and He is ready to listen. second thing that I want us to see this morning is the power of His name. The power of His name. Verses 48 through 50. Look at this. And He saw that they were making headway painfully for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, that's between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., He came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them. Now, pay attention to that. You might want to underline that. But when when they saw Him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost, and they cried out. For they all saw Him and were terrified. But immediately He spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Mark wants to understand... Mark wants his audience to understand who Jesus is. Now, we have been talking about this over the last few chapters. Mark is writing to an audience in Rome that's mostly Gentile, but there are Jewish people there as well. And he's trying to show them that Jesus is the King who has come to establish His kingdom. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the long-awaited and expected Redeemer of God's people. And so he is consistently pointing us to Jesus and wants us to understand the magnitude of the coming of Jesus Christ. So there's two things I want us to look at. And this is going to require a little bit of 
homework on our behalf in terms of digging into the Scriptures and reading. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis 33, 18 through 23. Genesis 33, 18 through 23. We're going to look at Moses. We're going to look at an encounter that Moses had with the Lord. Beginning with verse 18. Moses said, Please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock. And I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back. But my face shall not be seen. Moses is going to encounter the glory of God, and it is a tremendous thing. It is a powerful thing. And God is telling Moses, you cannot see my face and live. This is a theophany. But I will pass by and let you see my backside, to let you see a bit of my glory. I will pass by you, cling to the rock. Now let's go to 1 Kings chapter 19 and let's look at 9 verses 13. Elijah is in hiding because he is afraid. He's having what we would tell our children is a woe is me moment. 1 Kings chapter 19 and let's begin with verse 9. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Verse 10. He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go out. And stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Do you see this? Do you see the parallel? The disciples are in a boat. They have been rowing all night. The winds are blowing against them. They have manned the oars. And Jesus is on the water. 
Jesus is walking across the water. Now, that may seem surprising to some, but for those who have been reading the Gospel of Mark, it's not surprising at all because Mark has been showing us as the king who has come to establish his kingdom that Jesus is in control of all things. He can heal the lame. He can make the blind to see. He can control nature. He can calm the storms. He can walk on water. Jesus is God. Jesus is the creator of all things. He can do this because this is who he is. And Mark wants his audience, Mark wants us to see this and understand the greatness of our king. And so Jesus is going to pass by. As the Lord passed by Moses, and as the Lord passed by Elijah. But Jesus stops. Because he is the Son of God who has come in the flesh. And he goes to the disciples and he allows them to see his face. And he says, it's me. Have no fear. That's how much our Father loves us. That's how much our God cares about us. That he does take on flesh. That he is the Son of Man and the Son of God. And he comes to us face to face and he touches us, and he looks to us, and he speaks to us, and he says, I'm here. That's what he says to us this morning. I'm here. That's how great Jesus is. And that's how much God loves us, that we can look upon him. Mark is saying that one greater than Moses and one greater than Elijah has come. He has arrived. He is here. And there's hints and clues in our text because earlier in chapter 6, Jesus feeds the 5,000. What does Moses do in the wilderness for Israel? He feeds them. He pleads to God to send food, to send manna. And then we see in, later in chapter 6 that Herod thinks that the ministry of Jesus is Elijah resurrected. And then we come to him walking on water and you immediately, if you're a part of Mark's Jewish audience, you think back to the Old Testament. You have Elijah and Moses on your mind. And you think about God passing them by on the rock. On the mountainside, Sinai. And here's Jesus who's come down from the mountain and He doesn't pass them by. Because the one who is greater than Moses, the one who is greater than Elijah has arrived. As Jesus says in his own words, it is me. There is power in his name. The third point is his presence. Prayer, power, presence. Jesus, what does he do after he tells the disciples who he is. He gets into the boat with them. He jumps aboard and he calms everything down. Hear Matthew 28, verses 20. 
And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Not that you should have favorite verses in Scripture because it's all God's Word. But this is, for me, has always been one of my favorites and one of those verses that is extremely comforting. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We'll have friends and we'll have family members and we'll have acquaintances that will not always be with us. But Jesus is saying to His people that I will be with you and I will be with you always. And how does Jesus do that? How does He accomplish that? How does He... How does Jesus get into the boat with us and calm our fears? How does He do that? John chapter 14, verses 16. And I will ask the Father and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever. So what Jesus is telling us in the Gospel of John is that He is going to send the Holy Spirit that He is going to minister to us through the work of the Holy Spirit and that through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, He will be with us absolutely, positively, forever. That Jesus is right here, right now, in this place. That we know according to the Word, when God's people gathered together for worship, that He is here in a way in which we cannot fully understand. But that we also know according to His Word, Matthew 28, 20, and John 14, 16, that Jesus is here. That He is in our heart, and that He is in our life, that He is with us, and that He is comforting us. What a great Savior we have. Because life is, life is like that boat. It's like the boat the disciples are in. And I don't know about you, but often it feels like I've been pulling on the oars forever and I'm not getting anywhere. That's how stressful this world can be because of sin and because of its fallen nature. It's difficult, it's challenging, it's exasperating. Sometimes it's defeating. And Jesus comes to us and He says, I am here. And through the work of the Holy Spirit, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, Jesus gets into the boat with us. And He says, I'm in this journey with you. I am for you. I care for you. I love you. I gave my life for you. And I'm going to be with you every step of the way. Good and bad. When we celebrate the birth of our children, He's there. When we celebrate successes at work, He is there. When we have those pleasant and sweet and wonderful times together as a family at Christmas, He is there. But guess what? When a friend dies that you love deeply, He is there. When a parent dies, He is there. When a child or a grandchild or a friend is struggling with an addiction, 
and there seems to be no hope, He is there with you. He gives you encouragement. He gives you help. He gives you assistance. He ministers to you. That's who Jesus is. That's how much He loves you. Even to the end of the age. Even to the end of the age. Take that to heart. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful and we are so grateful that you care for us and that you come beside us. That you sit in the boat with us and that you are helping us throughout this journey that we call life. And that when we breathe our final breath, we will see your face and you will welcome us into your family forever. That you will pour out all of your blessings on us forever. Father, we did not deserve this. We have not done anything to earn this. We are grateful and we are thankful that you have pursued us in love, that you have saved us and that you have given us faith. From first to last, it is you, King Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.